0: part 1 chapter 3 of martin schuler by romer wilson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part 1 heidelberg chapter 3 werner returned home with the manuscript to his house where the mice made merry with cheese crumbs among his boots where they built their nests and laid their young in the cupboard of his clothes press the contents of which had long been pawned the mice scurried away as he entered and he swore for the thousandth time to import a cat but the mice looked upon this oath as part of the noise a door made in shutting werner was careless where he lived and how and had no particular but rather a conventional dislike of mice he had no philosophy of life either and no opinion to offer about morality war religion or any other topic he thought deeply without coming to any conclusion and lived pretty consistently without making any rule he was one of those men to whom acquaintances attach themselves whose remarks are valued and whose actions are outside the pale of comment a man about whom scandal is silent who is credited with no vice and no virtues who influences the thoughts of those he comes in contact with and though opinionless sometimes sows the seed of definite opinions he never put himself about for his friends or indulged in any practice of unselfishness werner came into his room and lit the candles upon his desk and the light revealed the anxious eyes of the mice peering from their holes also the broken state of his sparse furniture the cracked stove that even in winter was never filled with fire the uncurtained window some panes of which were replaced with paper and the bed rough from many nights of broken sleep heaped with soiled and ragged bedclothes the irregularities of the glass in the window sparkled where they caught the candlelight and recalled the sparkling lights on the dark blackness of the river werner sat down and wept wept for possibly half an hour his nerves were in a very bad state then he addressed the mice and summoned them to sit about him but the mice who had come out of hiding again fled and he pretended to be disappointed he wept again because he wept habitually it was a part of the mortal illness which consumed him he also wept because to-night he had been reminded that he had reached his zenith and fulfilled the promise of his youth and that whatever more he did was only at the stingy charity of fate the tears dried in his eyes he groaned within himself and wrung his hands miserable miserable because he was at an end jealous of youth jealous of the future jealous of joy then suddenly his gaze became fixed on the glitters in the window and in his mind they began to take rhythmic form and the form became words and the words a far-off version of what martin had said to him up at the castle soon infused with youth he began to write he wrote steadily without exertion and without physical discomfort the peahens were being born he wrote until dawn until his false youth ebbed away when the candles guttered and went out he rose pulled off his boots took a draught from a black bottle and fell upon the bed then he pulled the clothes over his head and went to sleep but he tossed for some hours in spite of the drink from the black bottle all this time martin was walking about the castle yard to martin the success of this new venture seemed sure and he was so happy that he could not return to bed he walked up and down the castle courtyard and up and down the terrace among the ghostly shadows of the ruins he grinned to himself with wet glistening eyes because of the happy vision of his future happiness the wonderful bliss of premeditation upon the seeming certainties of the future is only to be compared with the bliss of the discovery of love waves of sensation passed from his head the seat of the imagination to his abdomen the seat of the knowledge of pleasure he quivered he yawned he smiled he stretched his arms he struck the parapet of the terrace with his flat hands and leered at the view he threw a little stone into the woods below the castle and then sprang up onto a dangerous spot and recklessly flung back his head and laughed without making a sound he struck his chest and shook his head from side to side and blinked his eyes from which tears fell then he took to prowling again in and out of the shadows mad with youth and hope and dreams of success than the may moon soon needing exertion he climbed over the parapet of the terrace and made a perilous descent into the woods and then wandered far roaming away in the beautiful woods till dawn he rested now and then upon the ground amongst lilies of the valley and violets and solomon's seal somnolent among green leaves that seemed white and immobile as wax in the moonlight he crushed them down with his body as he lay lost and in paradise half awake half asleep without knowledge of anything save beauty and happiness he slept among them and awoke soon to rise and pass on to some other dell or grove under the lightly leaved beeches he walked ankle-deep in young grass and knee-deep in blue flowers through blue groves where the moon did not pierce and at early dawn when moon and morning struggled to make wan each other's light he slept under tall cherry-trees that grew among the larches day broke and birds sang the nightingale redoubled her endeavours that had ceased in the last hour of night a blackbird called in the grey branches of a cherry-tree and Martin awoke again refreshed an ordinary young man sane and joyful he lay and watched the cherry-blossom become tinged with pink and recommends its business of falling that had ceased during the night he called to the blackbird until it flew away then arose and wandered towards the river soon he emerged into the vineyards where the young leaves of the vine were spreading out their hands the vine stalks were red in the rising sun and the leaves were of the most delicate green in the morning air and the shadows of the hills upon the vineyard were deep blue the sky was azure and the air white thin and pure and so clear that trees and dwellings could be distinguished in the far-off Rhine plain all was clear fresh and lovely pale green golden golden red and blue all the world was these four colors in the morning sun there was no smell save the smell of the dew and no noise save the deep running of the wide river far below and the noise of the birds martin stared and stared and thought how strange day and night were how empty daybreak was how crowded evening how could one be responsible in this new land for deeds and thoughts of last night's old one there was no link between the days only a stupid man or a priest could bind himself by the vanished day before freedom today this morning birth rejuvenation the past is dead we pluck from the past but it is dead we thrust back a hand to take from out of the coffin today there is no yesterday only today even in war we can say today is today enmity died in the night martin felt clean and free as he stood at the top of the vineyard on the hill but by the time he had got to the bottom he perceived that he was partially covered already with the flies of memory and thought he said bowing to necessity that this could not be helped he also felt hungry and this and the magnetism of human life drew him back towards the town he walked by the river where many flowers grew and when, in the course of time, he remembered Berta, he gathered her a bouquet of these to please her. He walked back to Heidelberg, picking flowers. The embryo of a famous man, with full intentions, crystallized ambitions, and a temporary loss of youth. End of chapter three. Recording by Expatria in Bangor, Maine.